Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Brevity. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? No. You're really going to make me pull this out of you, aren't you? (laughs) So I just read this book. Somebody gave me this book called Smart Brevity by Mike Allen, Roy Schwartz, and Jim Vandehei. Well, you would have gotten different authors if you really wanted to be brief. These guys sound smart, but certainly with the Vanderheide as a last name, that's not really brief. Jim, Mike, and Roy. There you go. One, That's pretty brief. They've got one syllable names. Anyway, the book is called Smart Brevity, and it's about (laughs) basically being brief and being concise if you want to persuade, if you want to cut through all the noise these days. Um it gives a framework for being concise and being brief. And I thought that might be a great thing to talk about when it comes to, to leadership and persuasion. Do you think we could stretch this out for 30 minutes? No. Okay, folks. Nor do I think we should. So here's the scoop. One of their points is that there's so much information going out there and there's so many people being published for writing 10,000 words that they could have done in a thousand. And how many people are reading the 10,000 words anyway? They're just going, oh, wow, Dave Rosenberg wrote another article that I'm not going to read. And they go through how you can be concise, really know your topic, know the important piece so that people want to read your stuff, so that your newsletters get read, so that your team knows what's going on. And so that people are actually paying attention to what you're saying and reading rather than just adding to the noise. So what's really interesting here is once upon a time, authors got paid by the word, right? So never use five when 20 would do um, because they made more money. And now Mm. we're saying if you're an expert, you want to do the inverse of that. Well, exactly. We're not getting paid by the word. And yet sometimes we we write as though we are and we write as though we need to use the large words that will make us intellectually seem superior. And we write in ways that we don't talk. And it not only separates us, but it's not as good, easy to read. And we don't have freaking time. Well, it's funny. You hit on two separate points here, right? One, one is since we write differently than we speak, it's almost as if we're not being authentic, right? Right, and I mean, I, I have a bachelor's of science. And so in psychology and in all the sciences that I was studying, you had to, well, <laughs> to write the papers we were writing, they had to be worded in a very intellectual way. And once I got into writing content for myself, my business, my newsletters of people, I want to hear my voice, I had to go through a complete overhaul and unlearn all this scientific writing that I had learned. Yeah, academia is probably the worst place to learn to write. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. Don't teach me at school. <laughs> well, what's funny is uh, I'm actually mind of uh, I think it was Einstein who said, you know, a, a true expert can explain it to a layperson. And I've often, even before I heard the quote, and I probably paraphrased it. It's probably not an actual quote, but even before I heard that, I often would say to somebody, you know, if you're really an expert, you, I'm a smart guy. You can explain it to me. And if you can't explain it to me, you're not an expert because I mm -hmm. should be able to, I should be able to get your concepts pretty easily. And I think what they're hitting on is the actual, the idea that if we are, and I'm trying to be concise, precise, and exact in this, uh, but if we are truly experts, we should be able to use as short a phrase as possible. Sound bites are what coming to mind, right? As we develop sound bites, which is great for PR, and it makes it quick and pithy enough that your point is quintessentialized. An example, I, 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 I say, we only hold people accountable that we think are capable. Boom, done, right? That just it says it. Okay. If I don't hold you accountable, I'm really saying you're not capable, right? It's implicit in that. Right. Did I go on too long? No, yes. And um, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things they talk about, no, you were, you, you were fine, Dave. We're trying to make this a 30 minute episode. No, but one of the things they talk about in this structure that they provide is I think, and I think it's a military thing where they're like bottom line up front put the main point at the very beginning in case that's all they read. And then literally, and they write this throughout the book, you know, you write your opening sentence. That's the bottom line up front. And then you write why it matters. And in a very concise way, you share, why do I care? Why does it matter to me? Why am I telling you this? What is the ramifications of this in clear, concise words, one syllable is always better than two is always better, better than three. And so instead of trying to pontificate extensively and I'm lose sorry, them, stop, stop, stop. Pontific I was pontificating. Pontificate. Four syllables? Yeah, that's four. You can count. Can you, can you, can, can, can you, can you say it with fewer syllables? Expound. That's Go two. on that's and on. Anyway, the point is, and then this is, okay, so this is my challenge with this book. I like words like pontificate, words like unfurl, words like, you know, that, that really like make a cool picture in your head. The key is not to be using those words all the time. I'm not extensively pontificating on the, you know, I can't do it right now because it's so inauthentic, but like words like pontificate will stick out better if they're amongst a whole bunch of conversational speech. Now, to be clear, there are other places where you need to pontificate in a intellectual manner. Now I've gotten off point. I can't even remember where I was going. I'm sorry, you, you lost me on pontificate. Um, a great word, Dave. If you're a pontiff. Um, See, the pontiffs like it. Anyway. Bottom line up front and why it matters. If you know your topic and you know what you're trying to communicate, it should be easy to do it very concisely. Well, well that actually comes from good journalism, which is something that is lacking these days. Because in journalism, it's the phrase is burying the lead. It's L-E-D-E, is, is, is lead is how it's spelled. Um, but that means what's the point of the goddamn story? Why right? do I care? Why do I care? Tell me up front, right? So, you know, the example is, um, 
it was a hot summer day, yet the, the candidate was wearing his wool brown coat and a scarf as he uh, dropped out of the race because he was caught embezzling. <laughs> right? The lead on that is he was embezzling. Who gives a rat's tail about the hot summer day in a wool brown coat and a scarf? And if you're reading or if you're writing a novel about the candidate and his you know, political journey, great. Do it. Write it all story like. But if you're trying to write a newsletter, you're trying to write an email blast, you're trying to write an article that's really going to be read and hit home, a memo to your team. Don't bury the lead. Say it. But even that. But even then. Right. You want to hit a hard hitting story, right? Come out first with the in your face, right? This is what, you know, the candidate was caught embezzling. Now you could go on and, you know, when he found out about it, he was so frustrated. He put on his wool coat and scarf because he was shivering with fear from, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. You Right now you can give the more detail, but you open in the face with this. And when you're talking to your teams, and I've always found, again, you know, I'm just, I'm just a guy from Philly. Yo, you know, Philly, we're kind of direct, we're kind of blunt. My whole life and career, that's what I've been told. You know, I'm blunt. I'm fine with that because you always know where you stand. I, used, I, I tell people all the time, with folks from Philly, if we love you, we'll give you the shirts off our back. And if we hate you, we'll steal the shirts off yours. In either case, you'll always know where you stand with us. That's what we're talking about. Let people know up front real quick what's going on. Yeah. And 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 then they you're not wasting their time. You know, it's it's a it's a respectful thing um to and again, if you want to get read, you may, you know, like, oh, well, they should read all my paragraphs. Bottom line is they're not. So you can say they should all you want, but that's not changing the fact that they see your emails and they delete them. And that's why they don't know what's going on in your department. Yeah, you know, it's um, Michelle, you know, uh, who, who you know, obviously, while well, your former coach, my coach right now, and she has this uh, methodology, um, why, why, and the who changes, why, who, what, uh, and how now, that's a methodology for writing stuff, yeah. right, but it always starts with why, why do we care, in your cases, here's, in, in, in this book's case, here's the thing, here's why you care. Right, because it's a. I think of it as a funnel. If, if I don't care, I'm not going to read anymore. So tell me why I care, which gets me to the next section. Right. And depending on what it is, maybe it's you know who are who who am I to tell you about it? What, where's my expertise? Maybe it's who are you that this applies to? I don't know. Right. There's there's a lot of different who's there, and then what specifically can we do about it, and how do we do it? Yep. And another strategy I've always used is in those sections, go ahead and put a header. Why you care? Who should care? You know, what now? Put those headers in. So as people are skimming, they see an organization, they see why they're reading the next point. And again, they're much more likely, especially if they're skimming, to get something out of it rather than just seeing a chunk of words and saying, ah, nope. Yeah. Most of us are so busy you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of time, but, you know, to read a 500 word article, which is not a long article mm-hmm. to read a 500 word article and, and invest the two to three minutes it takes to do that. You know, we're not going to do it if, if there isn't something in it for us. Right. Yep. 
same with same with your videos, same with anything in writing. People are moving so fast and things are happening so fast that even just stopping for that five minutes to read something, if it's not catching my attention, I'm not doing it. Yeah, and as we stretch this on and on and on and break out the rules, we're very rules we're talking about. But if you think <laughs> no. about it like- Good. If you think about it like this, let's just say we have two experts in the same exact field. And somebody says to you, I could explain- quantum physics to you in three minutes. And the other one who's also a quantum physicist says, I can explain quantum physics to you in three hours. Which one are you going to go listen to? Who do you perceive? (laughs) Right. Who do you perceive as the real expert? The three minute guy. I mean, perception may be the three hour guy, but I'm going to start with the three minute guy because I'm going to be like, well, let me get the basics and see if that does it for me. Uh, and see if it's if, worth investing the three hours. If the three-minute guy can explain quantum physics to you in three minutes, you think he's an expert. There's no doubt in your mind that he's an expert. There's a little doubt, but I'm a doubting person. No doubt. None. <laughs> no doubt. Gone. No <laughs> doubt. Um, so. Yeah, but but that, I mean, they say the same thing about speeches, and they talk about speeches, they talk about meetings in the book. Um, but they say th- the same thing about speeches. It's a whole lot easier if you give me 45 minutes to talk about it than if you give me five or 10. That's why TED Talks are so popular. They're 18 minutes. That's all you get. Thanks. Say something meaningful. Um, so by forcing that brevity, it uh, it really forces you to boil down and know your stuff. That's exactly right. Well said. Thank you. A few other um tips that I've used before and that they, some of them, they went through in the book, bullets, bullet it out. I've just started using this in, in my email blasts. People, if I take the paragraphs and just make it into bullets, it's a lot easier to skim. It makes me be more brief with what I'm saying. And people are more likely to read it because it's not big, you know, paragraphs. It's not as intimidating visually. So, totally. yeah, and I, it's funny, I've done the same thing where I'll start off by writing a paragraph and I'll be like, you know, point A, point B, point C, and I'm like, and then I'll put little bullets and, you know, da, 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 and actually I know I got like five bullet items and visually it's less intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and people frequently go right to the bullets first with their eyes and just go, uh, and then they might go, oh, that's interesting. What's that about? And then they go back and it gives them a reason to read everything else. Totally. Um, another another thing that my brother told me a long time ago that this book reinforced was after you write something, go back and make a goal to cut it by a third. You well, know, just try to cut it or try to even get it uh, what they call above the fold or above the scroll. So if you can get it on one screen, they're much more likely to read it. So um, like, how can I shorten this? How can I eliminate words? Yeah, the, the only challenge I have, and, and I like the shortening it, right? Um, I was talking with Mike Rayburn um, a little while ago. So Mike's a Hall of Fame speaker. For those of you who don't know, he he's a former songwriter for, uh, staff songwriter for Sony. He's appeared in Carnegie Hall three or four times. And he talks about um, you know, becoming a virtuoso. And, you know, one of the techniques is when you look at your your talk, your speech, um, and this applies to written material too, is, is the same thing. It's like, okay, 
I said that sentence in 10 words. How do I say it in seven? How do I say it in five? What can I cut out? How can I quintessentialize that even more? And, and the tighter and tighter that message is, the more powerful it becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really good advice. The, the above the fold problem is that with technology nowadays, you have no idea what um, device they're consuming it on. It becomes a real challenge based on resolution, all sorts of things that you folks all know about, you know, to know where that fold is. So I, I kind of ignore that. Am I going on and on and on too much? <laughs> no, but I mean, it's a, it's a good point. That's a good practice to think about. Like, is this, does it look like I want to read it or does it not? Like, am I like, oh, I got to scroll down and down and down to get to the bottom of this thing. Well, it's funny. It just came to mind, uh, the book um, by James Joyce, Ulysses which is stream of consciousness. There's no paragraphs, no punctuation. It, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's a thick book and it's stream of consciousness. And, oh. and you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like reading a marathon sort of thing. Has um, anybody ever read it? <laughs> there's people like me who claim they have. Uh-huh. Yeah. They have it on their shelf to look smart. Yeah. Right. Well, but, and- but right. It's, it's intimidating. Totally. There's no, and, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with, with, um, with Kilimanjaro, there's no milestones that show you your progress. There's no, you know, 10 step delineation. There's no, it's just like, it just keeps going on forever, you know? Yeah, that's right. good, good, good circle back to uh, the, the, you know, shrinking the bubble, kill you conversation. Anytime I can pull it back to me and me climbing Kilimanjaro, I'm going to, because that was hard. (laughs) So the last technique that they talked about in there is that when you find yourself, and I used to do this, I'd sit down and I'd write things and it would become, twas the night before the day I needed to go in for the meeting and I was unprepared for the challenge that it presented. And as soon as I start like writing like that, I'm like, okay, and just stop, get out your phone or go on one of those, recorder things that'll that'll give you the transcript and just talk through it to get yourself a draft rather than writing it because as soon as I start writing I go into science writing mode record it record yourself saying it because then you're going to be quote unquote writing in your own voice and then you can edit it from there but you're going to be starting from a place of conversational smaller words not like pontificate and you're going to be on a better track to have that really readable, conversational kind of writing. Yeah, it's funny. I think, and this is pure supposition. I've got no research backing up what I'm about to say. So this is just me bloviating. How do you like that word? Bloviating? Um, bloviating. I don't even know that one. We'll look it up. I'm writing um, it down. But at, at any rate, what I suspect is, you know, once upon a time, we spoke in a more formal way. And Mm -hmm. so we wrote like we spoke because our writing and our speaking was both more formal. And as our speaking became more casual, our writing has lagged in that. And so especially those of us who are a little older, right? I mean, I'm uh, what, 12, 15 years older than you, something like that. Um, You know, ballpark, right? And and, and, yeah. And, And so, you know, my, my training was, lagging behind what it what you know what is more common today was more formal writing and i tend to write in a more formal way Mm -hmm. um and and it's a challenge of training 
Well, and there is a fine line to walk because professionalism, you know, you definitely want to represent yourself in an intelligent way, but how do you walk that line of being concise and being right to the point, but still being easy to read, conversational, authentic, friendly, but professional. And, and depending on the avenues that you're writing in, that's going to be a different line. Yeah. So and, you, you can't see, do you have a, do you have a definition now? I do. Bloviate, verb, talk at length, especially in an inflated or empty way. How could you just not infer that? There's another good word. How could you just not infer that from, from the word itself? It just sounds- It's a good word. It's a, it's a very, it, I think they call that onomatopoeia, right? The, where the word exactly. sounds like the thing. They are, right. It's like, oh, I just, I just had a huge Thanksgiving dinner and I'm bloviated. <laughs> <laughs> I know when my uncle Harry eats the Thanksgiving dinner, he gets bloviated. Actually, and, I think and now I have to- And now I have to onomatopoeia. Right. <laughs> well, I think we beat this one to death, Dave. <laughs> you, you're such an erudite. Um, oh, crap. I got to go look up that one, too. Report back next week. <laughs> Will do. We'll talk All right, about guys. It. Thanks, everybody. So let me just let me just wrap this up. Be brief. Be concise. Be gone. See you Thanks next week. Thanks for listening. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at lockedonleadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at yourchangespeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.